This is a Romy cast. Happy Christmas, Paul. Happy Christmas, Carrie. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be gone. Sit you down, Father. Rescue. Take 12. Take me one. Oh, there we go. Can we just have a little less guitar in here? No, no, it's all wet. The bit that John finally got just after that, and we were both of us do what we wanted to do. Hello and welcome to this Christmas special, which is also serving as a sort of soft launch of series three of The Walrus Was Paul, a podcast hosted by me, Paul Romanuk, during which I talk to great Canadian music people about the greatest pop band ever. We know who that is. It's the Beatles. Now, uh, normally... The situation is I interview a Canadian musician about their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album, and we go through it track by track. But for this third annual Christmas episode, we are deviating from our normal format to talk about the Beatles and their relationship to Christmas. Now, just to refresh your memory, in our first Christmas special a couple of years ago, and you can find it in the archive wherever you get your podcasts or at romycast.com, which is the podcast website. In that Christmas special, I talked about the Beatles fan club Christmas records. They're good fun. And then last year, we talked about the Beatles Christmas number ones on the UK charts. It's very, very prestigious to have a Christmas number one, and the Beatles have had a few of them on the UK charts. You can find both of those episodes and go back and give them a listen uh, if you haven't heard them. And by the way, as I record this, Christmas week, the lead up to, I took a quick look at the UK charts, and two Beatles solo Christmas songs are right up there in the chart. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney, as I record this, is at number 24 in the top 100 singles. And John Lennon's Happy Xmas War is Over is at number 35. All these years later, they're still showing up in the charts every single Christmas. 
Now, this year, what I thought I'd do, as I said, is is talk to some of the many musical friends of this podcast to share a Beatles-related Christmas memory. I mean, did they get a Beatles album or a solo album as that special Christmas present one year? What about you? Do you associate a certain Beatles song with the Christmas season? Maybe a Beatles movie or an album that is part of your Christmas tradition? Whatever. I thought it would be curious to find out. So, without further ado, ho, ho, ho. Let's start off with a lovely Christmas tale from a friend of the podcast, a pal of mine, and a much-revered veteran drummer who has played on hundreds and hundreds of tracks with dozens and dozens of different artists. But, most notably, he's been the man on the kit for the Gordon Lightfoot Band, Mr. Barry Keane. Oh, I have I have a great memory of the Christmas of 64. I would have been 15 years old. I'm pretty sure I was Christmas shopping with my parents. We were walking around downtown Toronto. Happened to walk past a music store and I just I was just being interested in becoming a drummer. I had some drums at home. Um, very interested in the Beatles and the Dave Clark Five. Anyway, we walked past this music store, and I glanced over, and they had set up on a stage. So it was. I had to look up to see a drum kit that was identical to Ringo Starr's. It was the Black Oyster Pearl drum kit. It was Ringo's drum set. I think my jaw hit the sidewalk. Anyway, my parents, we, we spoke for a while, Went home. I'm sure my parents discussed it. And though the drum kit didn't end up being under the Christmas tree, they bought me that drum kit as a Christmas present. And so, I mean, could a kid in my position at my age have gotten a better Christmas present than Ringo Starr's drum kit? I'm Jose Contreras from By Divine Right, and when Paul mentioned to me a Beatles memory, I got a flood of all these things from my childhood, uh, but uh, the f- one that w- wins the most would be when City TV would play like uh, a Beatles movie at on New Year's Eve at midnight. And so like, you know, like where my parents and all the other Chileans are drinking and dancing downstairs and smoking up a storm. Cause, and then all of a sudden someone would be like, holy fuck, Magical Mystery Tour is on, on TV right now. And, uh, and we'd all pile into, you know, we're all like eight, you know, or 10, the old ones were 11. And I was seven and, you know, they're showing Magical Mystery Tour at midnight on New Year's Eve, it's just the coolest, right? Someone understood, someone understood us. That is Jose Miguel Contreras of the great Canadian indie band By Divine Right. 
and I'll be chatting with him in the coming weeks about the album with the Beatles, so you can look forward to that. You know, I love his memory of watching a Magical Mystery Tour, that bizarre Beatles 1967 movie that I'll tell you a little bit about in a moment. Uh, It was originally released as a TV special on the BBC on Boxing Day in 1967. Uh, The quick story on that project is this. Shortly after Brian Epstein, the Beatles' manager, had died, the Beatles had started work on an idea that had been originally conceived back in April of 1967. The idea was this, to shoot a TV film that would premiere on television, wouldn't be released to theaters, it would be a film, and it would be about a mystery tour on a bus with the Beatles as the stars. A sort of British riff, if you've ever read about it, on the Ken Kesey and his Merry Pranksters. Uh, They took a bus tour of California. Ken Kesey wrote a book about it. Uh, Their bus tour extolled the virtues of LSD. The Beatles weren't into that so much is just having a little bit of fun and making their own film. McCartney had been inspired during an early April trip to America to visit his then-girlfriend, the actress Jane Asher, who was touring the U.S. with the Bristol Old Vic Theatre Company. And he'd been shooting some 16-millimeter home movies of her during that visit, and he thought, you know what? The Beatles could do this. We could make our own film. We could shoot it. So flying back to London, he borrowed a pad and paper from a stewardess and he sketched out a rough plot on a circle diagram. He'd come up with a title and they started, they being the Beatles, recording the title track on April the 25th. Bizarrely, only four days after having completely wrapped up the final touches on the epic Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, right? So they'd they'd done that just to show you how prolific the Beatles were four days after wrapping that up okay new project going to be a film let's record some music for it so then they start shooting the movie in early September and they shoot the bulk of it by the end of that month and then there are a few additional scenes that were shot at the end of October and the first week of November and concurrent with that they were recording the music for the film that was going to be released The film premiered on BBC TV on Boxing Day in 1967 in glorious black and white. Most people back then had black and white televisions. If you've ever seen this head trip of a film, it is in color and it needs to be in color. It's very psychedelic. It fell flat. 25 million people watched it. That's a lot of people in 1967 watching one show. And it was roundly slated and hated by the British press. It was, in its day, a bit of a pop music scandal. So much so that Paul McCartney hurriedly appeared on the David Frost show the following day on the 27th to come on and answer questions about the lambasting that British TV critics had given the Beatles over the project. Different times.
Singer-songwriter Jerry Legere has been a real friend of the show since Series 1. And I'm looking forward to talking with him in the new year about a record near and dear to his musical heart, John Lennon's 1973 solo record, Mind Games. So that is coming up in 2023. But right now, here's Jerry with his Beatles Christmas memory. Uh, Yeah, I have a a bunch of uh, Beatles Christmas stories uh, throughout the years um yeah especially being a kid and being a, a Beatles fanatic all my life uh yeah you know I'd get uh different CDs and records and uh uh you know Beatle knickknacks but the one that uh, I'm gonna mention is is one that my dad uh uh I totally forgot about it but uh he he certainly remembered uh Christmas 94 uh, uh, taking me around all over the city to try to find Live at the BBC on vinyl. Because up to that point, um, I was only buying records. That's sort of like what I started listening to when he gave me a stack of records when I was like six years old. And I didn't start getting CDs till I was like 11 or so. Um, and I think that really started with uh, like Beatles CDs and the, the bread, bread box style box set and stuff like that. So um, I didn't get live at the BBC for Christmas, but with my Christmas money, that, that's, uh, that's what I used it for. And, and it, it took us a while to find it, but we found it. And then we went all, we did it all over again the next year when, when Anthology 1 came out. And we uh, did it all over again where he, he drove me around trying to find that on, uh, I think it was like the three record set. Um, anyways, yeah, it's a, a fond memory and, and lots of fond memories with the Beatles. Um, so happy holidays, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, looking forward to more uh, The Walrus Was Paul episodes. All right. Hello, this is John speaking with his voice. We're all very happy to be able to talk to you like this on this little bit of plastic. Gary Crimble to you, Gary Mimble to you, Getty Babel, dear Christmas, happy birthday, me too. This is Paul here. Everything that John said goes for me too. Especially the bit about birthday cards and apostles. Yeah, Ringo. Hello, Ringo here. As you know, I was the last member to join the Beatles. I started to play drums in the group 1962. <laughs> I've been <laughs> a couple of other groups. Oh, just wish oh. the people wish merry, the- happy. Go on for Christmas. Christmas. Hi, it's Craig Northy from the rock band Odds. When I was a young kid, eight or nine or so, I had a couple Beatles records, and we were putting up our Christmas tree and decorating it and i put on i'm guessing let it be and everybody had a great time the mood was light the next year i remembered i'm going to do that again the next year i remembered i'm going to do that again i got more beatles records and by the mid 70s it was a tradition it was written that when we trim the tree we start with rubber sole and then it works its way through chronologically this year, after, I don't know, 50 years of this, uh, we, are on, uh, we made it to Magical Mystery Tour before people were on their phones and off doing what they wanted to do. So happy holidays to everybody, 
and um, hope it's a good one without any fears. That is Craig Northey from the great Canadian rock band Odds. Although more recently, Craig was touring with Stephen Page, also a friend of the podcast, uh, and they did a big North American tour opening for The Who. I will look forward to talking to Craig about that pinch-me-now experience. It must have been. I'll also be talking to him, of course, about his take on whatever Beatles or Beatles solo record that he wants to dig into. He hasn't narrowed the list right down to one yet, but he's getting there. And isn't that a great tradition that he has going? Decorating the tree, Beatles music playing, maybe a glass or two. Wonderful. My wife and I have a, a bit of a similar tradition. Similar, but not the same. Uh, those Beatles fan club Christmas records that I spoke about earlier in the show, I managed to get my hands on a, a vinyl box set a few years back, and we'll sit down on Christmas Eve and play our way in order through all of the Beatles fan club Christmas recordings uh, over a, a glass or two of wine. It, it's good fun. Matter of fact, you want to have a glass or two of wine <laughs> when you're listening to them. It, it's just kind of irreverent Beatles fun, and, uh, and we enjoy that. Speaking of fun, you know, I always enjoy my conversations with singer-songwriter Jane Gowan. She's been on the podcast a couple of times, and she will be on Series 3. Here's Jane with a beautiful Beatles Christmas memory. In 1979, I was 14, and I lost my mom to cancer on December 9th. And that was a year before, you know, John Lennon's sad demise. And I just found out that Paul McCartney also lost his mom when he was 14 to cancer. And so I'm going to be your downer Christmas, uh, sad Charlie Brown. But it, you know, there is a beautiful out outcome because the song I chose is Let It Be. So when I was 14, 15, around that time, I would have been sitting with the headphones at the edge of the couch, listening to the Blue Album and singing along. And there's, you know, it, Let It Be is a great song to sing along to. And at Christmas time, when you're, you know, you're thinking about messages and you're thinking about uh, love and connection and the people that you miss and, and you know, you think about... Um, what the bigger picture is and what everything means. What's the meaning of life and stuff. I think this is a great song to to talk about that and to um, describe that to us. I mean, you know, when I, I wake up to the sound of music, Mother Mary speaks to me. And you could interpret that in a more Christian way. I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm not religious uh, in particular in any way. But it was his, apparently his, Paul McCartney's mother Mary that he was referring to there, not the Virgin Mary. And, you know, Paul's pure vocal delivery on this song is just so gorgeous. And the background, angelic background vocals, um, they're kind of almost church-like, which is sort of comforting in a way. So this song has a lot of those comforting, um, peaceful, uplifting uh, messages in it and uh, that's sort of why I chose it um, and it's about our parents guiding us when they're no longer there and it's about the people we love and it's about 
you know, having a dream and uh, being uplifted and being carried along. And um, I just think I'd like to choose that as my Christmas song and uh, send it out there and just have everybody, you know, sing along as much as possible. Because Christmas time is about singing in groups and singing and while you're walking with people or just sitting around and jamming with your favorite people in your dining room or wherever you are. And uh, so here's to you and yours and to a great 2023. And to you as well, Jane, who will be talking about the John Lennon album Imagine in a new episode of The Walrus Was Paul, and that'll be out soon. And kudos to Jane, who designed the podcast artwork for The Walrus Was Paul, and that artwork was recognized as best artwork for a podcast at the recent 2022 Canadian Podcast Awards. So, to me, I kind of struggled to find one specific Beatles memory. I have a bunch of little micro-memories. For example, I remember working at Pepe's Pizza in Oshawa. Had a part-time job there. I grew up in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada, and it was 1979. And it was a night during the week between Christmas and New Year's. So it was dead, and I was working by myself. And as usual, I had the stereo cranked up to keep me company. And I heard this Christmas song over the radio. And it sounds like Paul McCartney. It has to be Paul McCartney. But the Beatles didn't do Christmas songs. Nope. No, it is Paul McCartney. Now, the song was, of course, Wonderful Christmas Time. And I was so happy to hear this song by one of the Beatles. And I can remember dancing around behind the counter at Pepe's Pizza all by myself, grooving to this song. I also remember my wife in Christmas of 1998 giving me the John Lennon anthology box set. That's a real memory for some reason because it was a little unexpected because she didn't and doesn't normally buy me music. And it was such a treasure trove of demos and alternate versions. There was so much to discover and I just enjoyed listening to it so much. And I still listen to those demos and to that collection all these years later. But I guess what I landed on as my sort of Beatles-related Christmas memory was tied into the emotion of gratitude, which certainly suits the Christmas season, and gratitude for all of the joy that the music of the Beatles as a group and as solo artists has brought to my life. Of course, there are many, many other artists that I listen to, and I love their music equally, but the Beatles had been on my listening radar for almost as long as I can remember listening to music, and that's well over 50 years. So who got me into the Beatles, you may wonder? Well, my gratitude there goes to my oldest friend's older brother, Sam. I met my lifelong pal, Tim, when I was very young, and my musical listening taste was whatever my mom and dad were listening to. So, uh, Burt Bacharach, uh, my dad liked Johnny Cash, Jerry Vale, that was sort of the caliber of, of what they listened to. 
Plus, I also loved the Partridge Family, a big North American TV show at the time, Shirley Jones, David Cassidy. So I like that. I think that was the first album I ever bought. But my pal's brother was older than we were, old enough that he had a record collection and a good stereo. I still remember that stereo. It was a Marantz amplifier with two EPI speakers. I had never heard music sound so great. And it was on that stereo that my pal, Tim, when his brother wasn't around, would play some of his brother's albums. I remember him playing some of those old Capital Canada albums, Yesterday and Today, Beatles 6, and then also Let It Be. Wow, that sounds amazing. Who's that? The Beatles. Yeah, I think I've heard of them. They're great. My brother has all their records. Man, I got to get one of their records. Which one do you think I should get? Get Magical Mystery Tour. It has a book with it. (laughs) Such was how you thought when you were nine or ten years of age. And away I went. And here I am doing a Beatles podcast all these years later. So in a roundabout way, that's my Beatles Christmas story. During the season of gratitude, I'm grateful to you, Sam, for your record collection. And to you, Tim, for introducing me to the Beatles. And I'm also grateful to you, dear listener, for the support you've shown my my little podcast over the last couple of years. A labor of love, as I say all the time, I do it for fun, but even when you're doing it for fun, it makes it more fun when you know that people are into it. I've had thousands of downloads, and I have thousands of regular listeners, so thank you for that. In part, because of your support, The Walrus Was Paul was recognized at the 2022 Canadian Podcast Awards as the Music Series of the Year, an early Christmas present for me and one I never expected. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thanks to all of the artists who took time to join me during 2022 on an episode of The Walrus Was Paul, Mo Berg, James Clark, Barry Keane, Martha Johnson and Mark Gain, a.k.a. Martha and the Muffins, and Jerry Legere. Series 3 debuts in a couple of weeks. There'll be some returning guests, and some new voices to the podcast, taking a stroll along the cast iron shore and talking about the music of the Beatles. If you'd like to get each new episode hot off the editing table, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find each and every episode that we've done so far at the podcast website, romicast.com. That's R-O-M-Y-C-A-S-T dot And look for me on Facebook. Do a search for the Walrus Was Paul podcast page and uh, all the information's there. But that's it. That concludes the third The Walrus Was Paul Christmas special. To you and yours, a very Merry Christmas. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men and women. Until the next time, you take care. (laughs) 